Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hello, loves. Welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Blonde podcast. And this episode is very spiritually sassy and very therapeutic because my guest today is Zach Simon and he's spiritual guide, meditation teacher, transformational speaker, and international best-selling author, pioneering the spiritually sassy, heart-based healing movement in which joy and authenticity illuminate the path to alignment. Make sure to listen to every minute of this episode because Sah and I will be discussing so many great and important topics. We'll be talking about how to clear out old ways of thinking to make room for a new story, how to liberate yourself of bad perceptions about others, how to overcome imposter syndrome, how to identify difference between real versus true, how to stop negative thoughts, what are the powerful manifestation practices, how to cultivate an abundance mindset, what's the best way to heal trauma, and so much more. But before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hi, love. How are you? I'm so glad to have you on my podcast. Hi, my love. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for being my guest. Your videos are so inspiring. I love to watch them every day, and they're just like giving me so much like boost, and they get me in a great mood right away. <laughs> Oh, that's so wonderful. I'm I'm so happy that, you know, the spiritually sassy message is spreading far and wide and it's giving people a little boost of joy on a regular basis. It's truly, you know, reading the comments and seeing the, the feedback, it just warms my heart. It, it really like reminds me of my purpose every day. And we would love to learn more about you and what do you do? Just tell us everything about yourself. Okay, amazing. Well, I think first uh, to start, I want to sort of remind, let people know that like, I never planned on being a spiritual guide, you know, I never planned on writing books and, and helping people in this way. It was um, it, the way it all sort of started is I had experienced, you know, depression and addiction from a very young age and a lot of anxiety from a very young age, but it wasn't until I was bought out of a magazine that I had co-founded co with two friends in the fall of 2012, that that's when things sort of like, you know, all kind of came to the surface, all the ways that I was like harming myself or, and being unkind and harmful to other people really made itself known. I have been sort of like, um, you know, doing a great job at pretending to be okay and, and, and performing a role, um, but never really being aware of my internal world and how inside I was really crumbling, inside I was really suffering. So in the fall of 2012, I left the fashion industry with no friends, with some money, which was great, uh, but no idea, like, what do I do now? At that point, I had heard from a friend saying, Sa, change your mind 
and, and your life will change. Like you're not, you're missing the point that like what's happening in your external life is a reflection of your internal life. I didn't really understand that. Um, so then I left, uh, left New York City and I moved to Florida and I was in Florida for about a year researching meditation, researching veganism, researching yoga, sustainability, um, you know, researching uh, uh, Buddhism, researching all kinds of different like practices. And then in, in, the, in the spring of 2013, excuse me, spring of 2014, that's when I said, you know what, fuck this, I'm going to India. I'm gonna study with the people who have put forth these practices. I'm gonna study with the gurus and the saints and the sages who have written these scriptures, who have written these texts that I'm reading. And I went and it was during that retreat that I meditated on death, that we did a meditation on death and our own mortality. And it was, it was three days, three consecutive nights that were meditating on death. And it was during that time that I was like, oh, oh my God. I've been such an asshole. Oh my God, I've been harming myself. I've been harming other people. Never taking responsibility for how I was living. And in that, in that meditation, I also realized like, oh my God, I've, I have really like been living, you know, kind of living out a lie that I've been told that like accumulate a lot of stuff, um, create a lot of, uh, you know, gather a lot of money, create fame. Um, and that's where happiness lives. And I had been, you know, kind of indoctrinated with that view. And it was doing that meditation on that, that it all sort of came, came crumbling. That's like, oh no, this is not where genuine happiness lives. This is, this has been a capitalist uh, uh, perception that we've all been sort of like, you know, uh, conditioned to believe. Um, so after that retreat, I was like, oh my God, there's something here. And I had a private conversation with one of my teachers at that time. And she, and she reminded me of something so powerful uh, that everyone is innately good. At the base of their being, everyone is good. This basic goodness is the thread through all of Buddhist psychology. And I was like, oh my God, like, so does that mean that the things you've done to yourself in your past, the things you've done to other people in your past don't define who you are? She says, no, what defines who you are is how you relate to what happened. Although that doesn't take, a, doesn't take away responsibility for what you've done, but it gives an opportunity to start new. It gives an opportunity to refresh your intention and become a better human being. I was like, oh, fuck, this is so incredible. Because at that point, at that moment, um, what I realized was that I had been living with this inadequacy, feeling like I was innately bad, feeling like I was, I was like a mistake because I'm, because I'm queer. And, and living in the West with all the perceptions that we have around queer people, around gay people, um, I had always felt like I was a mistake, felt like I was always like a, innately a bad person, innately broken because I liked men as a man. Um, so when I realized that, wow, this shame curriculum that, I, that, I, that made me feel like I'm innately bad um, is, is something that, that could be, that could be re redesigned and this feeling is a passing feeling. It doesn't define who I am at the base of my being because I'm innately good. So that was kind of like a big eye open. It's like, oh shit. And, and it helped me to sort of like dismantle the view between guilt and shame, right? Guilt says I did something, I, I did something bad, therefore I feel bad. Shame says I did something bad, therefore I am bad. So I had been living with that view with the shame blanket for so long that all the mistakes big or small that I had done in the past 
made me, uh, it, it, it kept reaffirming this notion that I am innately a bad person, that I, I am innately broken, I am innately inadequate and unloving and unworthy and undeserving. And then fast forward to the big, big awakening that took place was in Nepal later that year in 2014, when I went to do a 30-day medita meditation retreat. And during that 30-day meditation retreat, I learned about the power of forgiveness. I learned about the power of, of, of making peace with your past. You know, at this point, I would sit down and meditate and it would come in like a storm in my mind. All the things that happened to me in the past, all the things that I had done to others in the past. And it would sort of like literally be like a dark cloud and, 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 and it would have this very like almost like a feverish feeling in my body um, until I started to make peace with my past, until I started to redesign my relationship with, with, my, with my, the things that happened to me in my past. Um, so to, you know, to sort of give you a long answer to a short question, like how did you get into this? Um, it's sort of like at the end of the day, like my inability to forgive myself, it's what led me to this. And my inability to forgive myself uh, led me to believe that I was innately uh, inadequate, innately broken and innately bad. And that sort of led me to start drinking and doing drugs that led me to contemplate suicide and that led me to be a very anxious person. Um, and then little did I know that slowly, slowly, when I would start to feel a little bit better, I would feel this innate impulse to help other people. Uh, and one of my gurus said, Sa, you're gonna teach, so might as well begin this process, go deep into it now. But I was like, no, honey, I'm doing this for myself. I am in it for me. But little did I know that it was gonna be this like natural next step. As I started to feel better, I was going to innately, naturally, organically be helping other people. Uh, so that's kind of like a little bit about how I landed here. And then one thing led to another, you know, um, from posting on Instagram, I got asked to write my first book. And then, you know, the, the social media kind of grew because of that. And then it just kind of like, it, it, it's what I say all the time. When you're living your purpose, everything aligns in your service. Yeah, that's amazing. I love your answer. And I love all the details you provided. It's just like journey you had. And I think all of us go through this, especially now, like 2020, I feel like forced to go through personal transformation because I feel like I have some family members who never believed in this. And then they, all of a sudden they got like shingles or they got some other stuff going on. And then they were like, rethinking their actual past and rethinking their life they're living so i felt like that i had actually kind of spiritual waking in 2018 19 but mm -hmm. you know, all this stuff is kind of scares me a little bit sometimes because i so many things that i can't explain it was like is this true or is just like my fantasy <laughs> like how do i define it you know when you see something in meditation like how do you define if it's actual information coming through for you or it's just like you're probably imagining something mm -hmm. well it's a good question and i think i think the simple the simple answer is um, is it inspired? Is it creative? Is it kind? Is it gentle? Is it, is it leading you on towards becoming a better version of yourself? You know, because when, when we listen, when we are in the silence in meditation, right? The silence speaks to us and the silence speaks to us non-verbally, right? It speaks to us in these hits, in these downloads. And if the silence that's speaking to you is speaking to you through compassion, through wisdom, 
through joy and through love, then you should listen to it. You should absolutely 100% listen to it. But if it's not, then you know that's just conditioning. That's just your mind doing its thing. I, and what inspired you to write your book? Spiritually Sassy, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Spiritually Sassy came about because of the fact that even though I was in these very holy places around the world, studying with these gurus and living in these ashrams and monasteries, I never felt at home there because, nor, you know, what has been mostly um, the kind of demographic that have the privilege to go to these places, excuse me, has been mostly straight white people. And I'm being a person of color and queer. I never felt at home in these places. So I would always get these kind of like looks, these kinds of like, you know, little whispers here and there. Um, and then slowly, slowly I said, you know what? Like I understand the, the historical Buddha who put forth all the stuff that I study, all the practice that I teach. He didn't say homosexuality was bad. He didn't say people of color are bad. He didn't say any of this shit. It's the people who are unintentionally studying these practices. They're so caught up in their own condition that they're putting away the people that they're, that they're not giving an opportunity for, pe for people who don't look like them, who don't sound like them, who don't walk like them, who don't dress like them. And that's when spiritually sassy, uh, the, the, the mission statement started to come about. It was like, these places lack diversity. These places, they're meant to be highly inclusive and deeply healing, lack a lot of things that support healing for people who are black, brown, and queer. So I started to realize that like, oh my God, there's something really, really needed here. So Spiritually Sassy um, is a movement that supports everybody who's never felt at home in the spiritual, in the spiritual place. It's for people who, who have been told they're too much or they're not enough. It's for people who want to celebrate joy and authenticity as the path towards enlightenment. It's for people who say, who are saying, fuck off to the zombie zen. It's for people who are saying, for you to be spiritual, you have to dress a certain way, you have to look a certain way, you have to talk a certain way, you have to eat a certain way. And some restrictions and some, some guidelines and some discipline is of course required. But when you're truly expressing your heart, when you're truly living from your heart, it's gonna look, it's gonna look different for everybody. And spiritually sassy is, is a movement. It's a home for all of those that, that, that recognize that spiritual awakening and the spiritual path will look different for everybody. And it's our job as spiritually sassy warriors to celebrate our differences and celebrate how unique we all are, period. And, and then a whole other thing has to do with a whole other aspect of this is too, it's, it's what I said earlier, but it's, it's radical joy. It's recognizing that the path, the spiritual path should, capital S, be about laughing more, dancing more, sharing more, creating more, really transforming your pain into poetry, really transforming your pain into more laughter and, and, and bigger smiles, you know, instead of the instead of the all the way around, how some people think that being spiritual equates this forced seriousness. If you are very spiritual, you're more serious. It's not that it's not the truth. I've studied with enough living saints to know that these saints these saintly beings are laughing all the time. They're making us laugh all the time. So I started to look at all these pieces. I started to look at all these aspects that was like, oh, this really works. That doesn't work. This really works. And I started to just compile all this information. And then Spiritually Sassy kind of like came to fruition. And then the book was born. And then the movement came out of that. So that's kind of like the how it's all kind of all how it started. I love it. And I love your videos. You're like always 
I love how you express yourself and you know for some people they get shy on camera and they don't know how to express themselves how to like you know loosen up what is your best advice for it mm -hmm. I love this question I think this question is very very it's a very needed uh, question to to that we should uh, talk about um, because I think we all have this innate uh, creative genius at the base of our being and creative expression is extremely healing. Um, so when you stop taking yourself too serious and you stop internalizing what other people have said about you and you start to be radically authentic, you are being spiritually sassed. Uh, so my first advice for anybody is, is relearn how to breathe, breathe in a way that heals you. So therefore it's breathing in a rhythm that's um, that it's essentially the breathing that the anxious or depressed people are breathing, the people who are sort of closed up and tied up and rigid, they're breathing very shallow. They're breathing very clavicular, very much up at the top of their chest. And they're breathing anywhere from 12 to 16 times per minute. But the healing breath, the spiritually sassy breath, the creative genius breath is four to six times per minute. So it's very deep and it's very long. It's a very relaxing breath. It's a very creative breath. It's a breath that helps you to access the creative genius. And that, that breath helps you to, to, to strike the muse, the creative muse that's at the base of our being, you know, to awaken the muse that lives within all of us. Uh, so first thing I would say to everybody is relearn how to breathe and then make peace with your past. Learn to forgive yourself for all the things you've done, for all the things of that, that, that you have, um, that have been done to you. Like take responsibility in all of it and recognize that you are living out the consequence of everything that's happened to you in the past. And I know I'm giving a very deep, profound answer to such a short question, but I think it's important for people to know that like showing up full and being able to be bright on camera, being able to translate joy on camera, you have to do the inner work, you know, looking beautiful externally it doesn't mean that you are feeling great inside. I've lived in that world, honey, where I was giving you the most epic looks, but inside I was crumbling. So I need to remind everybody that being able to translate joy on camera, being able to translate your creative genius on camera requires you to sit with yourself, make friends with your mind, open your heart, energize your body, and not give a fuck what anybody else thinks about you. Period. I love that. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> we always forget about that. And sometimes, you know, in the moments of stillness, our mind gets like carried because finally we get silent. And sometimes we need that to progress, but it's the hardest exactly. part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you clear out your old ways of thinking to make room for a new story? I love that. Thank you for this question. First things first, write down. It's what I call spiritual inventory. So take, take inventory of all of the belief systems that you have about yourself, all the ways that like when you are in, your, in, a, in, a, in a quiet, anonymous of your room when no one's watching, take inventory. What do you tell yourself when no one's watching? Okay, I say this about myself. I say this about my work. I say this about my body. I say this about my relationship. I say this about money. I say this about, take inventory. Take inventory of all of your belief systems. Get very clear on what they are. And then write a, a power statement as an antidote to each of them. If you say, if you have the, system, the belief system that all oh, like my body is gross, 
I'm not loving, I'm not creative, then what's the antidote to that? It's a polar opposite. My body's sexy and amazing and vital. Um, I'm not creative. I am a creative genius. You know, I'm not worthy of abundance. I'm worthy of abundance beyond my imagination. And working with those statements and noticing how much resistance we have around just saying these words out loud. And I'm not just saying that affirmations alone are going to help you. The first thing to do is to become very clear in what these belief systems are, work with the affirmations. But here's what we need to do. When the belief system surfaces your mind, when you notice that that, that thought has come up, the feeling has populated that thought, the words are about to come out of your mouth. You're about to act in ways that you're going to regret later. In that very moment, the pause, bringing the pause into your day-to-day life is what's going to heal. The, the feeling comes up, oh, I'm inadequate. The thoughts come, I'm inadequate because of this, this, and that. And you say things that, are, that, that re- reinforce the belief system and you do things that reinforce the beliefs. Before the reactivity circuit takes place, what I call it, the reactivity circuit, the feel, think, speak, do. Before that takes place, you have to pause. That's why I speak so often about the breath. Breathe deeply and then whisper in your mind the antidote to that thought. And then from that place, reorient your mind to the present moment. Okay, here I am. I'm safe in the now. I can do this. I got this. I'm okay. I'm a fucking fierce motherfucking bitch. I can do whatever the fuck I want. You know, that kind of, that kind of orientation. And I got to tell you, you know, when I was writing Spiritually Sassy, we went down to a holy cave in Sulukumbu Valley, which is in the Everest mountain region. We went down to this cave, 55 feet underground, far out. One of the most challenging things I've ever done in my entire life. And when we got to the bottom of the cave, you're supposed to... You're supposed to sit there in prayer and meditation and do these rituals. But I said, you know what? I'm in this holy cave where this saint has lived in. I'm going to speak out all the belief systems that no longer serve. I'm going to scream them out. And I'm going to leave them right here. Because in this place, they can be transmuted. They can heal. They can be seen um, and, 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 and amended and, and moved through. So in that place, my two friends went down with me to the cave. They were kind of like, Sai, what's going on? And I'm just like, yo, I got to get let this shit out. So I write about this in the book. You know, I write about like the belief system. They kind of like, um, you know, they, they sort of like transform the more you transform. And they show up in different ways. They get very creative, the, the wiser you become. So it's important that you bring pause, that you know when to pause, when and the pause, the breath, the smile, right? Pause, breathe, and smile. And then, then respond. So creating spacious awareness in your mind is the is the is the the way to sort of begin to rewire those belief systems. It's the sort of the way for you to start to redesign the mindset. And throughout the day, whisper those words in your mind. You know, as you're washing dishes, remind yourself, I'm a creative genius and my creativity is going to help the world. I'm so fucking beautiful and so powerful and how powerful and this power that I have within me, it's going to help a lot of people to become the best version of themselves. Another very important thing is that you're, you're, you're redesigning the, the belief system with the powerful statement that, that lands like an antidote. 
And then you're attaching an altruistic motivation, a selfless motivation. You know, you're saying I'm a creative genius and may my creativity help you as many people as possible. You know, my body's not gross. My body's beautiful and powerful. And may I accomplish amazing things with my body and may the things that I accomplish help as many people as possible. That is the altruistic motivation. So these are some of the pillars um, that we have to bring into and bring into our and bring into our awareness. And, and again, I have to say this again, but forgive yourself for the ways that you've treated yourself. Forgive yourself for the ways you've neglected yourself, for the ways you've muted yourself, for the ways you've silenced yourself, for the ways you've harmed yourself. Forgive the people who have caused you pain. And because of that pain, you've internalized these belief systems and then ask for forgiveness for the things you've done. And, and maybe the residue of the things you've done has cultivated and conditioned you to believe that you are innately bad or innately deficient or innately broken. So the forgiveness trifecta with everything else that I shared is kind of like a recipe to get you feeling more vibrant and more and more powerful and, and sexier, more iconic and legendary in such a way that when you do show up on camera, it will translate naturally. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally does. Yeah, I love your answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It explains everything to you. But in your opinion, what's the best way to handle anxiety? I know like, you know, doctors have one remedy and which doesn't even help. I've been there. Mm -hmm. I've breath year and a half, or I wouldn't say that made any difference side of four because they actually gave me more anxiety than I had myself before. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Mm, God, I'm sorry about that, my love. That's a real thing. But you know, it's, it's very important to it's very important to look at how you're eating. You know, there's a lot of research that shows that anxiety and depression starts in the gut, starts with an inflammation in the gut. So when I was very depressed and very anxious. Cutting, I cut out all sugar and all gluten, but mostly sugar is the most important thing to cut out. And I'm not talking about fruit sugar. I'm, I'm strictly talking about processed sugar. I'm talking about all the cracked sugar that's in the granola, that's in your latte, that's in the ice cream, that's in the milk, that's in every single thing that we're not actually looking at the ingredients and being like, oh, fuck, I don't, I can't even pronounce this thing. And that's what they're saying, that that's the sweetener. That's what sugar is. Fuck. If you can pronounce it, honey, and if it's processed, that's bad for you. That is uh, almost 90% almost guarantee that that's what's creating your anxiety and that's what's cultivating a depressive state of mind. You have to look at what you're eating and, and cutting out all processed sugar uh, is and, and all processed food in general, but start with the sugar. I think people listen to the podcast and be like, oh, fuck, I eat ice cream every night because that makes me feel better. Or I have a cookie every day at lunch because that makes me feel better. I get it, my love. I get it. But And all I'm saying is for you to start slow. If you experience the low lows of, of, of depression and the high highs of anxiety, you have to cut out sugar. You have to really radically take a stand and, and be radically responsible for your well-being by stopping eating crack sugar. It's bad, it's poisonous, it's toxic. And from there, once you cut out the sugar and you start breathing in a, in a way that heals and you start to exercise, uh, and you start to meditate, concentration of mind, um, and 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 bringing forth more more positive thinking, like gratitude and appreciation for for your life, appreciation for everything you've lived, appreciation for the people in your life, uh, even appreciating of the difficulty that you've gone through. These aspects, these pillars, are going to help you to release the anxiety and the depression. And I do have to say that if you are currently taking antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. 
Um, don't, don't just say, I listened to this podcast and I just decided to go off all the medication and, and I'm doing that. It's like, no, I've worked with a lot of private students in the past who were taking multiple kinds of medication. And in our work during six months to a year, they've been able to go off all the medication, but it's a slow process, right? You commit to meditating every day. And what does meditation even mean in this case? It's actually choosing to concentrate the mind in a single object of focus. Is it the breath? Is it a mantra? Is it a sound? Is it a sensation? Um, is it awareness of mind in itself? So choosing an object of focus for you to practice, that is a concentration practice. Stopping eating sugar, learning how to breathe, relearning how to breathe, stop multitask, exercise the body, and make a commitment to stop watching shitty TV and listening to fucked up shit all the time. Listen to podcasts like this. They're going to help you to feel better and become a better citizen. Stuff like that. When I was suicidal, when I was in the lowest point of my life, I stopped watching Game of Thrones. I stopped talking to certain kinds of people who were just gossiping and complaining all the time. I stopped eating kind of crack food. I literally made my well-being my priority. We've been conditioned to make our external lives our priority, but you have to make your internal world your priority. You have to recognize that mental health is the priority of human beings. When you boost your, your mental health, you're boosting your physical well-being and vice versa, right? When your physical well-being is better, your mental health is better. And that is the pillar for spiritual progression. So if you want to progress on a spiritual path, you can meditate as long as you want. But if you're eating like shit and if you're still talking to people who are complaining, gossiping, being unskillful, being harmful, drunk and high at the same time, it's you're not progressing. You're neglecting a huge part of the path. Therefore, and another thing that comes up today, it's important to recognize is everything is connected. Everything's completely connected. The way you treat your partner, um, if you're treating your partner kindly, hopefully uh, it's gonna bleed in a way that you're treating a cashier register at Whole Foods kindly. But what happens oftentimes is people are being unkind to the register at the coffee shop or the register at Whole Foods. They're not even paying attention to them. They're scrolling on Instagram. Let me see what Sal's doing on Instagram. Let me see what you're doing on Instagram and why they're, they're checking out at the register. That inability to offer presence to this person that's in front of you will show up in your relationship to your partner. It's going to show up in your relationship to your mom. It's going to show up to your relationship to your siblings and your friends. And it's radical responsibility of how you show up in every area of your life. That is you being honest. That is you making mental health a priority. You know, that's you stopping multitasking because you recognize that multitasking is creating imbalance in the mind and this ease in the body. Um, so that's like a long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, that's a perfect answer. I know I, I've had theories before and I, so many doctors shared as well. Like now it's all, such a common thing that everyone says that our anxiety and depression got. It's all connected to our brains. Totally agree with you on that one. <laughs> How do you overcome imposter syndrome? Mm, that's a good one. Imposter syndrome, the way to overcome imposter, imposter syndrome, it starts with awareness of it, right? Recognizing that first, if you're experiencing imposter syndrome, it's, it's like a greeting card from the mega boss club. It's like the mega boss club is saying, welcome to the club, honey. You're doing big things. You're doing incredible things. You're doing iconic 
and you're doing superstar shit. So walk up to the club, right? So recognize being a spiritual translator, being able to spiritually translate what the imposter syndrome is telling you. It's like, welcome to the club. You're doing epic shit first. Second thing is recognize that you not sharing your gifts, that you being caught in imposter syndrome and withholding your and holding yourself back from stepping into the light and being a powerful, iconic being um, is actually a very selfish thing. Why is it selfish? Because you not sharing your gifts with the world is very self. What would the world look like if we we're all living our, what would the world look like if we're all living, living our purpose? The world would be a completely different place, you know? So that is uh, uh, the, the, the first few things to, to, to think about. And then it goes back to your mortality, right? Recognizing that we're all going to die. The people that we love, the people that we don't like, the people that we, that we look up to, every one of us will die at some point. And, and, and so that kind of um, recognition of mortality uh, helps you to, to anchor yourself back into the present moment and say, oh, fuck, I got to do this thing. I have to step into my game. I have to go to the next level. And, and that will help you to, to, again, redesign the relationship with the imposter syndrome. And I still have it. It's still surfacing my mind. It still shows up. But I greet it. I greet the imposter syndrome with a smile because I know that I'm up leveling. So if you're experiencing imposter syndrome, welcome to the club, honey. You're up level. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I do too sometimes still and I have to overcome it. But then it's like you have it, then you can't start any new project because you will be too afraid to start it. And you will be procrastinating it like like holding exactly. it off to start. Exactly. And and procrastination and laziness. It's just a decorated fear, you know, it's just a decorated fear. It's a more, it's a more embellished fear. So when you are experienced, when you're procrastinating and feeling lazy about your dreams, ask yourself, what are you afraid of? And that, when you treat the mind to that question, that's going to orient, that's literally going to awaken your heart. And then you have to drop into the silence and then just listen, because the answers that will come up from that question are going to say, oh shit, you're afraid of being powerful. You're afraid of, you're afraid of, of, of being vulnerable with your work. You're afraid of being successful. You're afraid of actually making your dreams come true. Yeah, that's exactly what most people are afraid of, like exactly these things. Sometimes we're afraid to be successful because like, you know, we or so many thoughts cross our mind and it's just we talking ourselves out of the success sometimes. Exactly. And for everybody listening, honey, I hope you're not talking yourself out of it because we need your magic. We need your your piece of the healing puzzle and only you can bring that forth. So we need you. Love it. Yeah. In your opinion, how do you stop negative thought? Ah, great question. So there's a couple of ways. There's a couple of things that we need to address. In Buddhist psychology, one thing that we need to do is cultivate merit. Cultivation of merit happens by having genuine compassion. Genuine compassion is being is is being able to be altruistic, right? So being of service, really being it's compassion requires an action, right? Compa compassion requires you to think generous thoughts, to speak generous words, to have generous actions. And why I'm talking about this in regards to the thoughts, trust me, I'll land at the point for you. Listen kindly, because this is very important. If you want to change, if you want to stop negative thoughts, if you want to uh, change your relationship to negative thoughts, and if you want your mindset to stop orienting towards a negativity bias, you have to cultivate merit. 
cultivation of merit happens if you can go be of service to a shelter, if you can, if you can donate money, if you can donate time, if you can spend time each and every single day thinking about the well-being of others, saying, I wish all people everywhere to be free of mental and physical suffering. I wish all people far and wide to be happy and make all their dreams come true. That is a genuinely compassionate and utterly uh, generous thought. So in that kind of thought, in that kind of words, in these kinds of actions, you're cultivating merit. Merit offsets your karmic balance. When you offset your karmic balance, the orientation of your mind will orient towards more positivity, towards more wholesome and skillful and beneficial thoughts. So that's one way to approach this. The next thing to recognize, negative thoughts cannot hurt you. They're not yours and they're not you. And the thoughts, negative thoughts hurt us because we believe them to be who we are and we react. So if you can recognize that thoughts are passing clouds and you're the sky itself, a dark cloud doesn't define, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't change the essence of the sky. A dark cloud doesn't dictate the quality of the sky. You know, it's just a passing wave in, in that recognition. But again, it will start with you learning how to breathe. It will start you to, to again, starting to concentrate your mind because a, a mind that's not concentrated, it is mostly oriented towards negativity. The negativity bias becomes more of a default. Now, if you want to orient the mind towards a positivity bias, where you're mostly seeing the good in the world, where you're mostly seeing the good in other people, where you're mostly seeing beauty, and you're not seeing so much of the ugliness and the flaws, you're mostly in appreciation and gratitude, this will all start with the cultivation of marriage, with the concentration of the mind, with the breath, with the pause, and the recognition that thoughts cannot hurt you. It doesn't matter what kind of thoughts you're having. They're not you. They don't define who you are, and they're not, and, and, and they're just a passing wave. And then the work of a spiritually sassy warrior is taking the stand of a spiritual translator. A negative thought is showing up as a way to um, keep me away from harm. Okay, what is this harm? What is this thought trying to teach me? And you oftentimes you recognize that it's like an old belief system trying to keep you trying to keep you in your comfort in your comfort zone. But in that very moment, try to be a spiritual translator. Try to translate the negative thought as something as an opportunity to express more of your heart, as an opportunity to express more of your best qualities, right? And if the negative thoughts are looping and they become so intense. I invite you to get up and shake, really radically shake, or I invite you to get up and dance. I invite you to go for a run. Um, and another thing too, I invite you to, you know, look up a recipe and bake a cake. I invite you to, you know, draw something, paint something, write something. There's so many creative ways to transform negativity um, into, into, into wholesome, skillful, beneficial um, uh, states of mind. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, wow. Totally. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Negative thoughts are not true. There are just thoughts that are, we have to define as a fact or it's not, I mean, it's false or the fact, of course exactly. it's false. So you, know, you just yeah. have to just pass it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and oftentimes at the beginning of the spiritual journey, because you start to be aware of your mind, you're like, oh my God, I have so many negative thoughts. I feel so like shit all the time. That is you starting to progress. But awareness is not enough. Being aware and doing something about it is how you heal. You know, that's the choice. It's like, oh, I'm aware that I feel like shit, but I just go and I numb out. 
I go and I watch Netflix. I, I go and I scroll on Instagram. I go on TikTok. I eat something. I call somebody. That's you distracting. That's you not healing. So becoming aware that you don't feel well and doing something about it, that's how you're progressing. That's how you're healing. So learning the difference, right? Awareness is not enough at the beginning. You have to be aware of what's happening in your mind, what's happening in your body, and then doing something about it. And then in the future, as you've been doing this spiritual work for many, 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 many years, awareness in itself will diffuse the hook. Just being aware of how you feel, being aware of what kind of thoughts are present, that in itself will allow the thoughts and the feelings to move out of your system. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned it because like you said, I've been having not I mean now I know how to handle it. Before when I've had kind of spiritual awakening, I didn't know how to handle it and it was scaring me because I had all this lot of information that I was getting and I was like, I don't know how to <laughs> yes yes honey welcome to the path honey <laughs> sometimes i wish like i would be not as intuitive because i feel too much mm -hmm. i mean that's that's a beautiful gift to have and it's about like sort of refining it and and attuning it to the heart you know really being able to use that that the superpower to be of benefit to others yeah i agree how do you cultivate an abundance mindset oof that's a good one uh, i mean there's a variety of things but i think uh first things first when we think about abundance, we have to think, we have to redesign what abundance means, right? I think a lot of people think about abundance and they think about uh, abundance of money, abundance of clothes, abundance of homes. Um, but it's really looking at abundance through a spiritual lens and thinking about abundance of adventure, abundance of laughter, abundance of love, abundance of, of generosity, abundance of service, abundance of opportunities to help, right? And then, of course, thinking about abundance of money and abundance of, 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 of things things that in our lives are going to support us and remind us of our potential um, as well. So first things first and how to, how to develop an abundance mindset is to redesign your relationship to abundance. It's really like reclaim what abundance means and then start to look at every area of your life that you feel rigid and you feel restricted. Um, you know, when you think about love, when you think about friends, do you feel like, oh, I don't, I can't really make friends. I'm not really funny. I'm not, I'm not that, this kind of a person. I'm not that charismatic. I'm not that magnetic that kind of thinking that's scarcity mindset in that very moment if you can if you can re if you can introduce into your mindset a, a thinking process a thinking pattern that reminds you uh, of your innate ability to be abundant right abundance is our innate birth gift it's our it's our birthright it's at the base of all of our being because of our capitalist mentality that we feel so scarce we feel like there's not enough resources in the world for everybody there's not enough uh wealth in the world for everybody uh, so it's it's about looking at how you relate to everything if you feel rigid in regards to love and friendship and money uh and play and and and, and whatever it is in your life all facets of your life and if you're rigid and restricted and small that's scarcity mindset so look at that and say okay, I realize that I have scarcity mindset in all these areas of my life. What am I willing to do about it? What are the steps that I can take to get out of the comfort zone into the growth zone enough times that my mindset starts to expand, right? An abundance mindset will require you to work on the first thing we talked about. Uh, one of the main things we talked about, which is cultivation of merit, thinking uh, generous thoughts, not only about your well-being, but about the well-being of others. The more times you can refrain from saying, 
I need money. I need friends. I need this. I need my life, my needs, me, 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 me. And the more I start thinking about, you know, what can I do to be of support to others? What can I do to help others accomplish, more, have more wealth? What can I do to help others live better lives? In that shift of mindset, you're cultivating merits. Therefore, you redesign your mindset at a foundational level. Therefore, at that point, abundance becomes your default. So being selfless in your thinking, being selfless in your words, being selfless in your actions is a foundational step to establishing an abundance mindset. And it's, again, it's kind of jarring, right? Because people may be listening like, oh, but I need these things first. But it's like, my love, it is, it is proven and across every ancient mystical tradition that selfless, selflessness and altruism and generosity is the pathway to freedom, is a pathway to genuine happiness. You know? So you have to remember that these mystics, these sages, these saints, these enlightened beings across every major tradition, uh, the, traditions that, the traditions that have produced countless enlightened beings, they all lead to the same thing. It's generosity of mind, it's generosity of speech, it's generosity of actions that will lead to an awakened heart. An awakened heart, a default of, a, of an awakened heart, is ecstatic it's ecstatic joy and it's abundant so when you when you are when you are really retraining your mind to be generous to be compassionate to be altruistic um, you're opening up yourself to abundance in ways that you've never even thought about and i'm leaving proof of it now you know i'm literally abundance in every area of my life and the moment that i feel rigid and restricted that's when I know that I'm not being generous. That's when I know that I'm not being genuinely compassionate. That's when I have pivoted away from the path towards freedom and I'm taking this little detour. That's okay. Forgive yourself for taking the detour. You know, be kind and gentle to yourself, but then realign, reorient your mind towards generosity, towards compassion, towards service. And that will open you up to abundance beyond anything that you've ever experienced. And it's so incredibly uh, wild what happens once you enter that state of generosity, once you are more generous with your mind, it, you literally are seeing beauty in everything. People who are caught up in scarcity mindset, they're constantly gossiping, complaining, talking about people's flaws and talking about, about people's um, uh, uh, inabilities and never, and they're holding on to that. Their view of the world is very small. They have such a partial view of reality. Now, an abundance mindset, someone who is in a state of abundance, someone who has, who is truly working to, to activate their their spiritual heart to activate their Buddha nature, they have a whole, a whole view. They have a bird's eye view of reality. They're able to see harmony in the chaos. They're able to see the blessings in the traumas. Um, sorry about that. Uh, you know, the stuff like that. So it's, it's very important to recognize that, that when we are feeling scarcity, uh, scarce in a variety of areas in our life, in our mindset, what's, what the foundational step here is to cultivate merit and merit starts with thinking, uh, being generous with our thoughts, our words and our actions. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, it totally does. Is in your opinion, what's the best way to heal trauma? Great question. Oof, uh, great question. So it's a variety of a variety of method, right? One thing I want to people to to recognize uh, first is that trauma is stored deep in our bodies, right? Oftentimes we have back pain, we have neck pain, our stomachs are out of whack, you know. Um, and so when we when we're thinking about trauma stored deep in the body like that, this is why I I dance so much. That's why I shake so much. That's why I move my body so often. 
movement heal shaking heal so being uh, uh inviting a movement practice a dance practice a shaking practice into your daily spiritual routine is going to start to move things out of your system out of your body and mind in way and uh, things that you've never even things that you were not even aware of you're just aware that you don't feel so well that you constantly have this pain that you constantly feel out of lack of energy that your mind is constantly negative and complaining and whatever it is in that way and you're constantly sort of like you know, reaching for, uh, for intoxicants. Uh, so movement foundation. And then it goes back to forgiveness, right? Learning to forgive. And then translating trauma as, as, a, as, as a blessing, really being able to access, once you've done the forgiveness work, then going to the next stage, uh, which is to truly like recognize that everything that's happened in your life, it's actually here to help you to awaken. It's actually here to help you to develop your mind. It's actually here to help you to go to the next level. It's actually here to help you to become more free and to expand your field of compassion and love, joy and wisdom wider and wider. Um, but again, it's, it, it really requires you to see where you're at. Do you need support from a therapist, from a psychiatrist? Or do you think you, you could do this work with you and a, 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 a one friend, you know, one very trust, trustworthy friend, someone that you can really rely on, someone who really does have your back, you know, because we all need support in a spiritual path. To heal trauma, we need community. We need what, we, what the Buddha called the supreme assembly, the Sangha. So you need another nervous system to help you regulate yours, right? Of course, you're doing the work from your side, but having somebody looking at you with eyes of kindness, with eyes of acceptance, with eyes of potential, with eyes of abundance, reminding you of your goodness, reminding you that you have what it takes to get through this, reminding you that no trauma is too big that can be healed. Uh, these are very important steps. And again, I have to go back to the breath. I have to remind people that to heal, we have to relearn how to. And what I said earlier about multitask, it's very important because when you stop multitasking, you're, 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 you're becoming more present. And when you become present, what happens? There's, you, you, become, you feel safe in the, in, the here, in the here and the now, safety arises, okay? And when safety arises, you are, you are naturally, organically making peace with the past. You're naturally, organically, in such a relaxed way, not being worried about the future. So when I ask you to stop multitasking because that's going to help you to hear your trauma, it can seem like such a far out and like sort of like, like not a connected thread of, 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 of ideas but they're deeply connected, right? Because when your mind is scattered and you're doing three things at the same time, you are not cultivating safety. You're cultivating disimbalance. You're cultivating scatteredness. You're cultivating this wobbly mindset. And the more wobbly you are, the more dysregulated your nervous system is, and the more you're flaring up your painful memories, the more you're flaring up your traumas. So they're more, they're resurfacing your mind more often, right? So when you stop multitasking, and again, there's people listening, they're like, I'm a mom of three kids, I have to work two jobs, blah, 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 you don't get it. I'm like, my love, I get it. All I'm asking you is to make time each and every single day, a little bit of time each and every single day to, to stop multitasking, you know, to do one thing at a time. If you're folding laundry, fold laundry. If you're brushing your teeth, brush your teeth. If you're washing dishes, wash dishes. If you're washing your body, wash your body. And it's, it's about Whispering the words in your mind, I'm brushing my, I'm brushing my, I'm folding laundry, I'm washing dishes. And that action, it can seem such a simple act, 
but the amount of, of, of things that will be unlocking, unshackling, decon decolonizing your mind, deconditioning your mind is miraculous. Miracles are taking place inside of you. The hook that you had, how you have been overly identifying with your traumas, how you, had, how you have allowed your past to run and ruin your life will start to change because you have a newfound uh, uh, safety and that safety permeates your entire timeline. Does that make sense? Wow, yes. I love this answer. And it's just like so interesting how you explain this because just by doing simple actions, we can actually activate some healing process in our brain. That's right. And that's really, it's really wired to think about such simple things. Um, and, and I say this to people, everyone listening, if your spiritual path and your healing path become complicated, and if it's, if the practices are not simple and digestible, then go run the other way. That's not your teacher. That's not your guide. That's not your support system. Find the practice and the teachers and the, and the, the support that simplifies the path. I'm not saying it's going to be, um, that's, that's not going to be challenging, but if it's complicated, if, if it's not really about like, Hey, breathe more laugh more, do one thing, move your body, concentrate the mind, talk to a therapist, drink more water, sleep longer, you know, stop complaining, stop, stop uh, gossiping, stop taking drugs and alcohol, um, you know, stuff like that. If the, if the answer is not simple, then run the other way. That's one thing I've learned. Yeah. And what is your daily mantra? My daily mantra, the mantra that I wake up to every single day is may I only do the thing that matter most to me today. And may the things that I do have the greatest impact on as many people as possible. And that mantra is followed by, I know that I may die today and I may even die before sundown. And it's far out mantra, right? So it's a tantric Buddhist mantra that really helps us to stay in our, in our track. Um, so the, the mantra is really about like connecting to your mortality that you might die today. And because of that, you're only doing things that matter most to you and may those things have the greatest healing impact on the spot. And I do this mantra as soon as I wake up in the mornings and you can make up, uh, you can make up your, your own variation of it. Um, and then after this mantra, I, I repeat um, seven different kinds of, of tantric Buddhist mantras. And I'll share one with you. It's Om Tare Tutare Ture Soha. Om tare tutare ture soha. And when you say it, when you get into a spiritual trance, it will sound like om tare tutare ture soha, om tare tutare ture soha, om tare tutare ture soha. And if you've seen my Instagram, you've seen this tattoo, the green Tara tattoo that I have on my left arm. This green Tara is 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 the the the, the deity of, of universal unconditional compassion. So it's her mantra. It's the female Buddha um, mantra. And this, this mantra simply means, may all beings, with no exception, be free of mental physical suffering, and may all beings, with no exception, be happy and have all the causes of happiness. And anytime I'm waiting in line, I'm, you know, doing whatever I'm doing, um, that I, I start to notice in my mind orienting towards future tripping or past tripping, I bring the mantra into my mind, and that really regulates my nervous system that relaxes my mind that refreshes my intention no oh, it sounds so powerful i love it yeah. well i yeah. know the main mantra that everybody does you know they do the yoga practices all the time and what services do you offer i know you have an amazing group support the sassy, yeah that's right. Thank you so much for asking that, my love. So we have the Spiritually Sassy School, which is an app. In the app, you have access to meditations, 
the SA method, which is a technique that I created that brings, that merges ecstatic dance, breathwork, mantra, meditation. Uh, and you also have access to all these courses and you have access to this amazing community of like-minded people. So that's the app. And then I have two books, Five Minute Daily Meditation, which is my first book, which is 365 Meditations. And then I have the Spiritually Sassy, uh, Eight Radical Steps to Activate Your Innate Superpowers. And that's the new book that just came out uh, this past September. Uh, so I have those two. And then once a month, I offer a masterclass uh, for people who are not members, who want to test the material. Um, so yeah, these are some of the things that, I, that, I that I'm offering right now. Nice, very interesting. And where can our listeners find you? Instagram, all your info? Yes, everything's on IG, at Sadi Simone. Nice. Thank you so much, love. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, sending you so much love to everyone listening. You are amazing and you're so worthy. Love you all. Thank you, darling. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. To support the show, tag NBB Podcast on your Instagram stories and check out more behind the scenes on Instagram as well at notbasicblonde underscore or NBB Podcast. And if you haven't, subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.